valets in California here, they make bank a lot of cash too. So, so okay, what would okay? I mean, compared to a mortgage broker, it's you know, yeah, we, yeah. we got to make some adjustments. But what would a good valet guy three make? to five hundred a night in cash tips at, right. at the place I worked at? So if you're working five nights a week and you could be making six to eight k a month cash. Okay, so not, and not, what, not what was that? What was the nicest car that you got to drive as a valet? Bugatti, for sure. No uh, way, you one, did. Yeah, yeah, Bugatti, man. We somebody I, let you park their Bugatti. I mean, yeah. I, like, oh. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Chris Paliska. He's a mortgage banker based out of California. He actually owns a bank. There's $100 million a year with just two people that work on his business. And his company, they got 32 people that did a billion dollars in production last year. Very productive mortgage guy. 219 mortgages. And a couple interesting things from my conversation with him, about 40% of his business comes from realtors and he's got something called the Total Quality Realtor Program and he shares one of the strategies in that that he uses to recruit realtors, this is pure gold. He talks about how he gets up to 40% of his business from his database. Now to my Canadian listeners, that may sound like no big deal. My experience has been that the mortgage brokers, loan officers that I've talked to in the US, this is just generalization here, database is not as big of a thing unless it's refis. Don't know why that is, but Chris seems to have that dialed in and he shares some of the things that he does in order to get so much business up to 75 to 125 referrals a quarter from his database, which I think is brilliant. And then he talked about something called his all cash buyers program, which is absolutely genius and something that I'm actually working on for our brokerage because I think that this is something that should exist. In the Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage on how to recover lost leads. Before we jump into this episode, I want to give a shout out to my title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform that is incredibly easy to use, easy for borrowers and also easy for brokers. It's got some cool features like smart docs. So as the client's filling out the application, it's already figuring out exactly what documents that you need. It's got smart submission notes. So when you get ready to submit that to a lender, it's actually pulling key data from the application and putting it in the notes. And you may think, Scott, why do you need that? It's because every lender's underwriting platform is different. Finding the information in the application is always like all over the place. And so this way you have one place for your notes, which is awesome. It's connected to Lender Spotlight, which means you can search rates and guidelines, and it's just incredibly easy. Our brokers absolutely love it. And the best part is there's no subscription fee. Best next step would be to go to finmo.ca and book a free strategy session, and they'll show you how this can help you save tons of time. Check it out. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your business. Yeah, so a little bit about myself. I've been in the mortgage business for nine years. Father of three, was three under three under 30 for a little bit there, but uh, we just broke, my four-year-old just broke. So three under three under 30, been in the mortgage business for nine years now. And just, yeah, loving it all about, you know, faith, family, fitness, wellness, you know, your mindset and business. I focus on those things every day and really try to help other people and inspire other people in that regards and a little bit about me. That's awesome, man. And three under three is like, yeah, it's crazy. Your poor I wife. I thought doing loans was hard. I thought yeah, doing your poor wife. Going to work is easy compared yeah, to doing exactly. that. Exactly. My wife's got the hard job. So how did you end up in mortgages, right? Like most people don't in kindergarten be, I'm going to be a mortgage banker when I grow up. They're like, I don't yeah. know what that is, right? So tell me, how did you end up there? Yeah, it's actually a pretty funny story. So out of university, out of school, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I got an accounting degree and I did a little internship at Deloitte and they put me in one of those cubicles and I crunched all these numbers and I was like, this is not for me. I'm not that 
you know, when you're young, trying to figure it out, you really don't know. And so I was running a valet company and we had a lot of high-end restaurants. And so I went there trying to figure out making really good money. The valets in California here, they make bank a lot of cash too. So, so okay, what would, okay, I mean, compared to a mortgage broker, it's, you know, yeah, we, yeah. we got to make some adjustments, but what would a good valet guy Three make? to 500 a night in cash tips at, right. at the place I worked at. So if you're working five nights a week and you could be making six to 8K a month cash. Okay, so not, and not, what, not what, was the, what was the nicest world. car that you got to drive as a valet? Bugatti, for sure. No uh, way, you did. Yeah, yeah, Bugatti, man. We Somebody I, let you park their Bugatti? I mean, yeah. I, like, oh. Yeah, 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 so that was a cool part of the gig, too, and yeah. but that's kind of how I got to start, so I was there trying to figure out what I want to do, started talking to a lot of people, really wealthy people come to the restaurant. It's not cheap, you know, one meal is like a thousand bucks if it's two people, so they're selling the experience there, so I had a guy that used to come in all the time, and you know, I was really good at customer service and chatting with people. And I started chatting with this guy a lot. And, you know, I don't think things happen for you. They happen to you and they don't happen on coincidence. And I started talking to this guy. I played at high school football at a big high school here in California called Modern Day, number one in the nation. And I found out that he used to coach there 10 years before my time. So we had an instant connection. And then I started to ask myself, I'm like, what does this guy do? He's here three times a week. And yeah, uh, he I must mean, be that's, bank. That's three, that's three grand, you know, and when you're young, you know, which I'll go into my story, my philosophy and my values have changed. It's not only about the money, it's about all these other things to actually get the money and long-term happiness. But at the time, I'm like, I just got to find a way to make money and then I can provide for my family, this future family. And ultimately I met him and he said, Hey, you would be great at what I do. I didn't really know what he did. He said, come to my office on Monday. I'm like, all right, you know, this guy, great personality, we had the connection and showed up to his office on Monday. And next thing I knew, Tuesday, I was getting into mortgage. And that was in 2013. And my dad gave me a little heat for it, right? Because he put me on the path of counting. He was an entrepreneur. He's like, hey, you got to stick with something great and build from there and, and all these other things. And uh, he knew about the 2008 mortgage crisis. So it wasn't too far after that. So he was a little skeptic. But I ended up going all in. I just felt like it was the right fit with the right mentor. And that's how I got started in the business. Right. Okay. So then how long did you go from that to leaving the valet thing? Was it like pretty quick? So that was the tough part. So at the time I started working in the call center at the company that I worked for, for eight bucks an hour. So I would do that from eight to five o'clock. And then I would go, I'm like, I can't pass up 500 bucks cash at night. So then I'd go to valet. I see. Cause night. it was the evening. Yeah, yeah. You could do both. Yeah. Yeah. So I did both for about seven months. And then what I realized is, you know, if I wanted to go all in on mortgage, I had to make the leap, take a step back financially to propel forward. So I did it for about seven months. I did both. And then month seven came around and decided to go all in on mortgage. Yeah, it's time to pull the plug. Okay. So before we dive into the rest of your story, I always like to ask about a quote that's had an impact on you. Do you have a quote that's really impacted you? Yeah, I would say a quote that's really impacted me. It's a long one, but it's by Walter Wintle. And if you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you like to win, but you think you can't, it is almost as certain you won't. If you think you'll lose, you're lost. For out of the world, we find success begins with a fellow's will, and it's all in the state of mind. If you think Ooh, you're good. outclassed, you are. You've got to think high to rise. If you've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win a prize. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man or woman. But sooner or later, the man or woman who wins is the man or woman who thinks he can. So this was uh, my high school football coach. He was my real first mentor. He used to tell this to us before big games. And we were- He would read that whole quote to you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right before the game. And 
it's really about, you know, belief in yourself. And that was one thing that always stuck with me is your ability to deal with adversity through all the ups and downs of, you know, trying to start a business when you're 21, trying to sell people that, you know, own homes, listen to a 21 year old kid. It's all comes down to your belief in yourself. And that was one quote that he poured into us before every game and through adversity that it's really about your mindset, not just your skill set. So yeah, yeah, that's so true. So okay, I gotta ask you, who's your football team? So my football team, man, this one's tough. So my wife's from Cleveland, Ohio. I'm from California. So she's a Browns fan, and we've been together for 12 years now. So I've adopted the Browns. We're on okay. a little bit better of a streak here. Yeah, yeah. Drama, but the Cleveland Browns for sure. But uh, we're here in LA, so I go for the Rams as well. I was at the AFC Championship against the Niners and got to see them win too. So. But I would say Browns for the AFC, Rams for the uh, NFC, just for the local team. But my wife has got me on the Browns for sure. Yeah, she's got you. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool, man. And so this whole idea of the starting with the mindset, this quote, how have you applied that to your business or your life? Like, how do you implement that day to day? Every day. Now I start with belief in myself. I get my mind right. I think most of us start our days reactive. Hey, what do we got to do? We wake up and I start with being proactive, right? I wake up right now at 3.30. You don't have to be crazy like me. I knocked it down 30 minutes over the years, but I get my mind right in the right place, visualize what I want, which helps me with my belief and moving forward to the future. I go to the gym and move forward and really do that. But I really think everything you do in life is 90% mindset and 10% skill set. And I really feel in the mortgage business, not a lot of people work on their belief in themselves and the belief in the business. They are so focused on the technical or the marketing. And those are all things that I think you need. You can't not have the skill set and just the mindset. But I feel like in our industry, it's very lone soldier type and enough people don't deepen their belief in themselves on a daily basis. So I do right. a lot of work, a lot of personal development, a lot of coaching, those types of things to really deepen the belief in what we do. So Yeah, I totally agree. Any external change begins internally and yep. they're connected. So that's really good. So can you share, I mean, you've been in business now nine years. Obviously there's been ups and downs. Can you share something you failed at, but then looking back, there was a lesson for you? Yeah, something that I failed at. So when I first started, I thought I had to be everywhere which actually did help me. I kind of like ran around with chicken cut off. I was at every preview for every realtor. And and then I was trying to do this and all these other things. So the lesson is that you do need trial and error. You need to try different things. So I failed at a lot of different things. A lot of things didn't work, but then I found the one or two or three things that really did work. And I was able to run with those. And the lesson that I learned is from that is trying all these different things is I can't implement 40 things at a time. But I do have to try some things to isolate and get really good at one or two or three things and then ultimately implement those. And so what I learned early on in the mortgage business is a lot of people are all over the place, which I was myself, but you need to do some trial and error and take some risks to hone in on what works. Or you can be smart and you can get a mentor who's done it before, too. Yeah, just follow that path. On some trial and error, but you still got to do some trial and error yourself, not somebody. Yeah, it's still going to be a match of your personality market. What's something that you tried that didn't work? Can you think of like one idea that you're like, oh, man, that didn't work that I expected? Yeah, so I went to all these broker previews, right? So a lot of people like in our market, there's broker previews where realtors go over their properties and you go there and you kind of like mingle with people. It was like a networking thing. So I would run from halfway through other town to the next town to over this town. And uh, I was getting my name out there, but I wasn't actually like getting business. And so that's one thing that I realized wasn't a really working strategy. So what did um, you replace it with or what did you do that did work? So if that didn't work, what was one strategy or tactic that you found was actually better? 
getting more granular and not trying to go wide, but going deep. So getting lists and actually going after realtors that I know I can make a connection with. And then ultimately that, hey, I need a value proposition. What can I do to help realtors that will make them want to actually meet with me rather than me just running around trying to attack every realtor? So just getting specific on the list of who's qualified to work with and then developing a marketing proposition where I can actually help them get their business and not just work with every realtor. So that's an adjustment I made. You went from shotgun to a sniper rifle. Exactly. 50 cal. Yeah. Okay, so... Like when you say value proposition, that can mean a lot of things. So can you give me an example of like, so if I'm a real estate agent, what's the value prop that you'd give me that you'd be like, hey, Scott, why would I be like, you're my guy, Chris. I'm curious. You probably have many and they probably changed over the years, but I'm curious what's something right now that you found that's been effective. So, I mean, over the last nine years, the problems for realtors are usually the same. There's a few different things. They're not really good at their marketing. They don't really know how to manage their database or get low hanging fruit. They don't know how to generate leads. They're mainly all referral business. So what I try to do in my approach is identify what the problem is and then give them a solution. So we've built what we call the Total Quality Realtor Advantage proprietary system in our company, where we basically have a solution to all the marketing, to all the pain points realtors have. But I'll get a little bit more specific. For instance, like a lot of realtors, they don't want to call leads. It might not be the highest and best use of their time. So we'll develop a team and a strategy around that where we can help them and guarantee that we can get them one deal out of burnt leads. So that might be a strategy. So it's just right, taking right. a value approach where we're not taking anything from them. We're replacing and adding to the. We're adding to what they're already doing. Yeah. I have a buddy who does that. He goes out and he tells, Hey, I'll call all your leads for you. And I'm yeah. like, really? They don't want to yes. do it, man. They're just like, no. And he pulls out refis and business for them too, but he gets so much business out of that. Yeah. Like, and yeah. then even more important, he builds so much rapport and trust with that agent. Yeah. That they're like, dude, if you're willing to do that for me, you're my guy, right? Like, yeah. so, and he and gets- I think services, close. it's all about, you got to find something to get in the door. And then also it does come down to relationships. But the problem is, you know, when I first started, another mistake I made, I was all service. Hey, I can do any loan. I can close loans in 15 days. We got every product, but that's the pitch that everybody's going after to them. And that has to be a given in the marketplace. You have to be able to close quick. You have yeah. to be able to have every product. You have to give their clients a five-star experience. That's no longer a value-added proposition. And so that's what I realized early on is that that's got to be a given for me. I got to do something outside those main things that everybody's coming to them with. Right, right. And so you talked about like every product. Does your client mix, is it broad or is it pretty focused on, you know, certain niches that you found to be most successful? Pretty broad. One big saying for us is no problems, only solutions. So we like to have a solution for every every scenario. So even if somebody sends us a client, it may not be exactly what they came to us for, but our big rule in our company and our loan officers is going back in with some sort of solution, right? It might be, Hey, you don't qualify for 3% down conventional. I could do 10% down on a bank statement program. We always go back with some sort of solution to them. So we don't like to pigeon ourselves on one niche. We want to be a solution-based thinkers. And so, you know, we do a lot of conventional straightforward business, but we have an outlet for everything because we want to add value in that way as well. So Right, right. One thing you touched on before we turned on the recorder was that you database marketing was pretty effective. And my experience has been talking to loan officers, mortgage brokers. I don't understand it, but they don't tend to be. So can you give me an example of something that you have found to be effective for database marketing, like, you know, a tactic or strategy that's been good for you guys? Yeah, I think one thing is, I mean, we send a closing gift with a handwritten card on every deal. So it always starts from there. And then Ultimately, we run contests for our clients. Our clients love and trust us. 
So we have to be going after them. So we'll run quarterly contests on who can send us the most referrals, get different giveaways for our clients. They love that. They love. So what's something that you'd give away? Like what would be an example of like, we'll do, uh, you know, those remarkable tablets. We'll give away remarkable tablets to our clients. We'll give away iPads, putting together client appreciation with, with actually getting referrals out of them. And those are the best referrals. They already like and trust you. And a lot of people don't do that. And having constant communication with them, but value added content, right? So tools that are not just like, Hey, you know, we do happy birthday, all those different things, but things that will help them engage. Like we use home bots. I was going to, I was like this, you got to be a home bot guy. Like you, yeah. you, you're a value guy. I'm like, there's no way you're not using home bot. Cause yeah, so we use that's a company. I wish I invented that. I'm like, dang yeah. it. You know, you're like, oh. clients love it. It's a great engagement tool. Yeah. So home bots, one thing we do, but we also give them value content about how to build their wealth through real estate, not just the basics. So you got to develop a strategy and you got to have them on automation and you have to run these contests to get more referrals. And, you know, we do annual mortgage reviews with our clients too. That's another database marketing strategy. Okay. I have a question for you. So when you do these quarterly giveaways, like, so if you think back to your last quarter, like how many referrals would you generate from one of these campaigns? Would you say? I would say I have a pretty big database now. Okay. So how big is your database? Because I have have about 3000 clients now in the last nine years. But I would say we generate anywhere from 75 to 125 referrals every campaign we run. So, right. That's and I mean, not everybody's going to become an application, coming a homeowner, but I mean. But you're also actually, staying in front of your own clients in a way yeah. that's not like, hey, you know, I always think when you just send out rates to your client, it's like, imagine if you bought a car and then every week the car company said, hey, here's the prices on the new cars. Or yeah. worse, you get yeah. life insurance and every month the life insurance agent's like, here's the rates on life insurance. You're like, dude, you're an idiot. Like, I don't yeah. care. Yeah, but, exactly. So yeah. it's, you know, it's, I think it's good. So you basically use this as a way to, even if they're not generating referrals, it's probably generating, Hey, can I refi? I want to buy another property, yeah. like a whole yeah. bunch of other stuff. So, yeah. and do you run those primarily through like text and SMS and email or how would you just give me text, an idea? What that text and email. Everybody loves to text now too. So we're doing a lot more texting, but I mean, email marketing is not dead. And I think a lot of people stop email marketing. Oh, it's any system that you use and implement works, right? And you no, know, I think a lot of people think email marketing is dead, but it's not. We get a lot of email responses from our clients too, but we text as well. So email and text, and then we'll hit them with a phone call, check in every quarter, just see yeah. how they're doing. So we do that through slide dial just to check in. We don't want to, you know, hey, it's Chris, just checking in with you. Hope, you know, everything's well with you. If you have any questions, we're here to help you out. I'm sure you're getting our emails. Hopefully it's providing value to you just to check in. We do that voicemail drops so that we don't, you know, we're maximizing our time and staying. Yeah, you're not having somebody sit there and crush those. Okay, this is pure gold. Like guys listening to this, take notes on this. This is good stuff. So what's the biggest change you made to your business in the last year? I mean, rates have been going up, you know, and it's changing the dynamic of some of the things that we're doing. So what has been your big change? I would say the big change for us is in the last year, We've always been really purchase focused, but continuing to identify problems in the market, like appraisals are a big problem and finding a solution for those. That's a newer problem because it's so tight. So, you know, we partnered with an AMC company. They'll do some things where we can know ahead of time the value to help us get offers accepted. That would be one thing. So always looking for those problems in the market and identifying a solution. We just came out with an all cash buyer program. So we partnered with a company because it's hard to get an offer accepted in our market right now where they'll actually pay for the house cash, make our buyer cash. And then we do the loan after our real estate agents get their commissions up front. They don't have to wait around. So that's another program we just came up with. So as far as marketplace stuff, that, 
And then continuing to diversify our buckets. So we're starting to do webinars too. And we're trying to go after real estate investors because right now that's a huge thing with inflation that a lot of these big time investors, they want to get their monies in the market and they don't care what they buy for single family. It's just ROI for them. So that's a huge part of the market right now too. So we're running ads and stuff and putting webinars to educate people who want to be real estate investors. That's one thing we've kind of been niche. That's where we see the market going uh, with a lot of single families right now too. So that's one thing we run webinar series that are automated to drive traffic and leads and different things like that. Webinar on how to win offers in a seller's market. So we're doing a lot of webinars and digital marketing around education. So right. To drive yeah, that's the way I always think if you're going to educate people, then you build tons of trust. And okay, side question, do you use like social media play into some of the stuff that you're doing? Absolutely. I think social media is an important key to success. There's a lot of things that you can do to generate leads and it's not only helps with branding, but also education. So we do a lot of social media. Like I mentioned, all of our webinars, we run Facebook ads, we put them online, those types of things. And we're doing a lot of social media marketing as well. And there's three things for social media marketing that you want to do that I think are important that I'll give to the listeners here. Sure. Yeah. Hit me. Yeah. So the content has to be educational, emotional, and entertaining. So every time you're doing something, you want to be giving something of value educational wise. It has to be entertaining. People like the lifestyle stuff. They want to see who you are. And still people are doing a lot of green screen stuff and that type of thing. But you want to be educational, entertaining and emotional. That's what people are attracted to. You know, less commercial and more TV show. That's what you want to feel like on your social media because people want to get to know you. Think about all these shows on TV that we watch. We wait for the premiere. We get down with our families. It starts at eight o'clock and you get that because you feel like you're in it with the characters. And, and that's how, you know, people get to see authenticity wise. And I think that's important moving into social media in the future is that you're doing those with your content and number one, get started for sure, because you can reach more people, way more people than the old school in the office. I think there's a combination for both and boots on the ground. So That'd be some of the stuff on social media that. Right. Yeah. That's brilliant, man. That whole idea of emotional, educational, and entertaining was the last. Yeah. 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 Get people to laugh. I think the number one skill, I'm not that funny of a guy, but I use a lot of other, you know, some of the people in our office are, I use them to be the funny. I'm more of the intense guy. They're like, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) I think if you can get people to laugh, people are naturally going to like you. We all like to laugh. Right. 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 I met a guy once as a client of mine. He ended up being a client, but he was a table side magician. And so he did the tricks at the table. We'd make things, yeah. you know, cards. And so I said, tell me something about magic that most people don't know. He said, well, what I try to do, and he's very entertaining. And he, he's got into this because he worked at like a restaurant. He's not a particularly good looking guy, but he's like, these good looking girls were killing me on tips. I had to come up with an angle. And so he <laughs> would do this and he'd get tips. And he said the trick was to make people laugh because when they laugh, it scrambles the logic part of their brain and then they can't pay attention to what you're doing. And so then that was one of the very early mortgage broker. I was like, okay, if I can make them laugh a few times in that, I got them, right? Like, and even if it was because I didn't know what I was doing, I'm like, if they scramble the logic part of their brain, they won't know I don't know what I'm doing. And then that was my stick. So, uh, but I totally agree with you. There's a connection that can happen when you make people laugh. And uh, yeah, I wish I had that gift. Some people have that naturally, but those are one of the things that I'm working on is how do I be funnier and less intense? And I'm very inspiring and motivational and all those other things, but I got to get people to laugh a little bit more. So Right. That's awesome. Okay. So what's your kind of plan for the next 90 days? Any changes planned with the rising rates and stuff? So I think one big opportunity too, that we're trying to educate our clients on with inflation in the world is how to maximize the value in your home. So more database 
like current clients and then people that are homeowners. I think everybody's like, it's all purchased now. I got to go after all realtors. And usually what I try to do is do opposite of what everybody else is doing in the industry. So one thing that we're really focused on is helping homeowners maximize their wealth through their real estate. You know, some people are living paycheck to paycheck right now and they have 300,000 sitting in their home and they're just not educated on different ways to use it or grow wealth. So one thing we're rolling out a lot of campaigns around webinars around, and we want to do the right thing for our clients. That's our big thing, right? It has to make sense, Yeah. Um, but they need the education. Hey, why would you be living paycheck to paycheck if you have 300,000 in your house? So different things about how to get your real estate working for you. So we're rolling out a lot of campaigns for our past clients to give them education because a lot of people don't know what they can do with that equity. They don't really understand it. Like it's not realized gain until you actually use it. So, you know, right, buying yeah, investment yeah. properties and different things. So we're starting to run webinars and really hit our clients with that sort of education, our past clients, and then new clients, homeowners to do that as well. I like to focus on one big thing a quarter. Like I told you, that was one of the things I failed on. I tried to just shotgun 43 yeah, yeah. different things at time and felt like a chicken with my head cut off. A funny story. I was six months in. I hadn't done my first loan. I remember going to my dad and I go, I don't think this is for me, dad. I'm going to quit. I was literally one day from quitting, but I looked at that quote, the man who think he can, right? And I just went one more day and then everything changed for me, right? I could be not on this call right now. I've helped thousands of people in the industry. I've done a lot of these interviews and I talked to loan officers, not even at my company to help them. Ultimately, I would just push forward for one more day. You know, and I think a lot of people need that right now. Just go one more day and kind of dial in. But that was a big thing for me. So, right. That's but, but you got to focus on one thing at a time. You know, yeah. when you got the chicken approach, shotgun approach, like you said, you could not get anything going. And so yeah, yeah. there's a great a uh, Russian proverb, chase two rabbits and catch none. Yeah, and so, exactly. and I'm like, I used to chase like 15 of them. I'm like, ah, you know, like a pinball. And then yeah. now I've gotten a little better as I've gotten older at focusing. So I can ask some rapid fire questions now. So what is one thing people can't find out about you from Google? Oh, man. One thing from Google that they can't find. They can't find out about you. So what's one thing about you that they can't find from Google? I would say, yeah, they wouldn't find out that I used to valet cars and I got into the mortgage industry, which you heard about. And yeah. uh, they could find it on social media, but not on Google that I had three kids under three, under 30. So I think that's a good one, too. That's and, cool. That's good. Okay. So what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? Oh, a movie that everybody should watch. Probably going to be a kid's movie, if I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. watching a lot of Encanto right now, but uh, like every day. But I would say for the mortgage industry, The Hangover, I feel like that reminds me. Just a funny movie. Uh, Hangover. Yeah, and it seems like that could be a mortgage conference. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, yeah. Or Happy like, Gilmore is another good one. But Yeah, that's a funny movie too. Funny movies, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. What's one software program or digital tool you can't run your business without? I would say HomeBot's a really good one, just the client engagement. But again, any system that you have, the one that you use works best. So I would say for us, you know, our total quality realtor advantage is a digital tool where we go after realtors and that's just a formatted way of how we go. That's one thing internally, but for people who aren't at my company, what would be one thing I would say you definitely should be on HomeBot and engaging with your clients. Right. Okay. And what do you think is going to happen with rates in the next 12 months? Rates in the last, uh, the next 12 months, I think we're going to continue to go up. And I would say in about 18 months for now, rates are going to tick back down and we're going to have another little boom. And so now I'm fired up. I think this is a time of separation. So if you can figure out a way to create your unique advantage and do a decent amount of purchase business and find new ideas in 18 months, I think everybody will be a client again. So I would say the next 12 months, I think we'll hit 6%. And then at some point, 
you know, the U.S. government's going to say, hey, we were in a recession. We're going to bring it back down and we're going to recycle this thing in 18 to 24 months, right. which is good. They, they raise rates to kind of slow it down, but then they slow it down too much. Oh, because they're putting the brake on. Oh, take the brake off. Yeah. Gas back I think on. it was a little too late. They pulled it a little too late. That's kind of where we're at, but uh, it's good. Okay. So where are you located? What states do you lend in? So we're licensed in 32 states right now, but pretty much all the West Coast, we're based out of California. And all the West Coast, all the big ones, Florida, Texas, Arizona, Oregon, Washington, Nevada. We have branches in Nevada, Nashville, Tennessee. A lot of people are moving there in Nashville. But we have 32 states right now, which you can find on our website, which you guys have that information as well. We'll have that on the link. And so if somebody's here, you seem like a good dude. I'd like to find out about working at your company. Are you looking for good people? We're always looking for good people that align with our core values. One thing I'll end with that's really helped me and why I started my own company is what I realized in my life, doing all this production and going up and moving up the ladder, I didn't get any happier. And so I really, we call it total quality life, total quality life approach. We're really focused on our faith, our family, our fitness and wellness and business. I think it's a myth is you got to sacrifice everything for your business or vice versa. You got to go all in on your family and ignore your business. They actually all work together, right? So if your business isn't going good, let's be honest you're probably different at home. You're a little edgy with your wife, right? So you have yeah, to be yeah. working on these things and build a foundation, all of them be intentional and strive for excellence in all these areas and your business will blow up. So I came to a stage as a producer where I got burnt out because it was all business focused. And then when I realized is when I attacked these areas every day, my business blew up um, right. and I was a lot happier. It was more of a marathon and I wasn't sprinting to fall over. So it's kind of like you're getting all your vitamins, you know, like, exactly. you're not, you know, yeah, it's you like you're, get, you're you malnourished if you have one area that's dying and the other side is like, there's not a balance there. Yeah. That sounds good. But yeah, sure. So that's what we're really focused on at our company. Yeah. We have all the tools. We can close quick. We can do all those things. We got all the business things that we built, but I think what separates us is you know, our total quality life approach and helping people win in all areas so they can do it forever. And there's a lot of uncertainty right now. And, if you have the firm foundation, you're going to be all right and continue to provide value. You're going to continue to grow in this market. So, Right. That's awesome. Well, Chris, it's been awesome to get to know you, man. If anybody's listening to this and you want to reach out, how do they get a hold of you or how do they connect with you if they're interested in chatting with you? Yeah, they could email me, chris at tqlen.com. I'll give my email. I'll put, I'll put it in the link yeah, in the notes yeah. too so people can just hit it and if they want to. Hit it up. Hey. If you have any questions, I'm all about helping people regardless if you come to my company. I think we... We all got to band together and collaborate and continue to push the industry forward and each other forward, especially in a tough world. You know, we all mm -hmm. got to band together. So totally. Well, that's, that's awesome, man. Well, hey, good to meet you and keep crushing it, brother. Yeah, you too. Appreciate your time and doing this for everybody. Hey, thanks again for listening to that conversation with myself and Chris. And hopefully you're as inspired as I was. You know, I love these conversations, talking to these super smart people in other markets. And I always say, you know, we in Canada anyway, we tend to import everything that America exports when it comes to music, fashion, technology, ideas. And so I love that we get to get a sneak peek at what's happening so that we can then you know, try to implement some of that here in our market. And in terms of that all cash buyers program, that is something that I am diligently working on as we speak to try and get this set up for our agents because I think it would be a competitive advantage for them. And uh, in this upcoming segment, check out my conversation with Tom. We talk about what to do about lost leads. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here. So, hey, today we're going to talk about lost leads. So, deals that you know you don't fund and so yeah. there's a whole yeah. strategy around this and you know people can mishandle it if they're not thinking about it properly so why don't we talk about that especially from a 
you know, managing it in your software where people think, well, I'm just going to delete it. Eh, don't do that. Right. Like, right. Yeah, so spoiler. why don't you walk yeah. me through some <laughs> of the things that you see mortgage brokers do when it comes to lost leads and how you can turn them eventually into deals? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think to start just, it is a commonly mismanaged area because I think, you know, we talk a lot about on the show about the client journey. And I find that the journey usually follows the happy path, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I do this and then that, and then they accept and then they have- It assumes, no it assumes everything goes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? And of course, in reality, that's not the case, of course, right? So how do you do that? And so, yeah, right off the bat, I think you hit like the number one thing that people want to do, tend to do, which is just completely something we don't recommend, which is people come to me and say, hey, well, this person's lost- you know, for working with them on a consulting basis, you know, looking at leads and saying, hey, these people are lost. Let's just get rid of them. Let's not have them in the database. I don't want them cluttering things up. I don't want them here. That's one that I always, I see all the time and I always stop because there's a huge amount of value in those lost leads. I mean, first of all, from an analytical perspective, being able to look at them and say, hey, you know, is it a certain lead source or a certain type of deal that always tends to lead this way? And how can I fix that? And then also, it's really helpful going down the line, if any of these people end up reaching back out to you, which is ultimately the goal, understanding what happened, what were your interactions, and knowing that and having a really kind of complete database of your lost leads really enables that. Right. So don't delete. When I think about lost leads, and maybe you have some other categories, I think there's kind of three ways that leads get lost. There's They're not ready, right? Mm-hmm. So because for whatever reason, don't have a down payment, new job. There's went to a competitor, so you just lost them to somebody else. And then there's declined by lender. So like, you know, maybe you could call that not ready, but sometimes you don't even submit. So they're not even at the submit stage. So what are your thoughts on the different categories that these lost leads would fall into? Yeah, well, I think that's really good. And, you know, kind of having those types of buckets is exactly speaks to that first point around the analytics where it's saying, hey, it looks like I'm getting a lot of leads, for example, that are falling into that first bucket of not ready. And so maybe that calls into question of maybe some of your lead sources, right? Realtors that you're working with, they seem to maybe be passing you all these not ready leads. And maybe there's a conversation to be had there. And that's just one example. And I think also by being able to put it into these buckets, that really kind of informs you in terms of the next steps, right? How do mm-hmm. I go from here? Where do I go from here? Because I think as a follow-up, having these people in your database, okay, you have all the analytics, but it also allows you to do some actions, to do some of that follow-up. And I think the most important thing as you're following up with these lost leads, you know, they might be unhappy about the situation or maybe not or whatever it is. It's all about continuing to provide value. And if you can know which bucket they fell into, you can get very, very specific with that value. Right. How to nurture them. Okay. So the first sort of concept you talked was don't delete their application. Think about maybe this is just an idea, but a couple different categories that they would fall into. So you know what happened to them. What would be the next thing that you think about when it comes to lost leads? Yeah, I think basically, you know, just kind of continue on what I said last, where it's continue to stay in touch with them and center it around value, right? So I think that taking a step deeper into, hey, what kind of value can I provide these type of people? Where I think the number one thing, and this is across all parts of your client journey, but especially in this case, I think first and foremost is the education, right? So, okay, if they weren't ready or if they did get declined, you know, what does that mean? And, you know, why did that happen? That's one type of education or just keeping them up to date of what's going on in the market, that sort of thing. So they're still viewing you as kind of that trusted advisor, even if, you know, that particular transaction couldn't go through. And then I think 
even the furthest that I've seen people go, which is, I think, a great thing if you can kind of build it into your journey, is even helping people with some credit repair type services. So if it mm-hmm. didn't fall into that bucket, working with certain partners who can really help your clients kind of get back to the point where maybe it can be more successful next time. Right, right. I agree. So like have a value follow-up plan, I like to call it. So like yep. don't just follow up with like your newsletter. Here's here's your interest <laughs> yeah. rates. Here's yeah. the thing I find about sending out interest rate updates. It's like imagine you get life insurance and then every month the life insurance rep is sending you an email. Here's the rates on life insurance. It's like, dude, you're a freaking idiot. Like, <laughs> Or if you buy a car and then every yeah. week or every month you get an email from the car dealership with your same car showing you and you're like, this is not value. And this is what mortgage brokers think is value most of the time and it's not. And if you want to make all your conversations about rate, do that. If you want them just right. calling you and asking what your rate is, send them rates all the time. But I think the value needs to be, and I always say you know, this idea of educate to dominate. Like you educate your clients, you become their go-to person. So but I love that idea. So build that trust, right? Build yeah, the trust. Which is, which is so huge. don't delete it. Yeah. You know, think yeah. about what category it falls into, whatever, however you want to sort that. Second, have a value follow-up plan. What will be the kind of last thought you have on this? Well, I think this one here, I maybe speak more to my own experience for this, which is how you follow up and don't necessarily be intrusive about it. And I know it's a little bit contradictory to maybe some of our other sessions, but I really find that more so the light touches make a lot more sense in these types of situations. And I think what that looks like is emails. People seem to be generally okay with emails. And then Social media too is actually a really good one. So connecting with them on the social platforms, providing that value through those types of channels, that's really not intrusive. That's really kind of the light touch, which is I really think what these lost leads typically respond to. And I think just, you know, I said my own experience, we find that we do these light touches. We don't get a lot of engagement necessarily. It's really kind of a long play, but we've had situations all the time where you know, someone who doesn't want to move forward with the CRM, we stay in touch with them through those types of emails and social media. And it can be like four years later, like no word of a joke, like 48 months later, they reach out and say, Hey, I've been watching all your stuff. It's all great. And we got to look up who this person is in the first place, but now they're in a better place and now they're ready to move forward with the transaction. So, you know, just those types of light touches and don't expect a ton of responses right away, but just know that by doing that, you're providing the value and you know these things can turn around but it's the long game that you have right. to keep in mind okay yeah. i love yeah. that so it's a quick recap don't delete them right categorize never, them never delete never them. delete yeah. them <laughs> second have a value follow-up plan and if you want to get really sophisticated make the value plan match their bucket mm-hmm. and then three play the long game right so that means having a follow-up plan that's not intrusive you're not said i'm looking in your window where are you yeah like, you know yep. why are you not answering my calls like it doesn't need to be that but you do need to have some kind of a plan in place you know i have a friend uh, one of our mortgage coaches he changed companies and he went to this company and they basically gave him what they called orphan clients and these were all clients that worked with a different loan officer okay. and they gave him the list and he got so much business from it like because again these people that did these mortgages they you know love them and leave them they never stayed in touch and he literally was printing money from okay. other people's work yeah. because he did the follow-up and so you know just don't underestimate the value of having that follow-up in place and reaching out to your database even on declines i think it's great any last thoughts on this yeah no i think that was a good summary kind of those three like just get your finger off that delete button it's it's one of those things that i can't preach enough absolutely and yeah i mean kind of just to your last point scott you know i think that if you can do these things you know even looking to the broker next to you you know you can really kind of set yourself out because it's not 
something that everybody's doing. I think if you can do this right and do it well, it's really going to just give you one more way that you can differentiate yourself, which I think is things that people should always be looking for. So this is a huge one here. And if you can do it right, you're going to set yourself out. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you're want to get connected, Tom's got an amazing company called Blue Mortgage. They'll let you set up the CRM. We actually set it up for our company and love the integrations that it has. So check out Blue Mortgage. There's no E in blue, bluemortgage.ca. No e. Yep. no e. And thanks, Tom, for chatting with me. Great to be here, Scott. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I had a great conversation with Chris as well as Tom. And a couple quick things. First, if you're a a new mortgage broker and you're like, Scott, how do you help me get going? I would recommend you go check out rookie2rockstar.ca. We have a webinar there where we'll show you exactly how we help new agents succeed faster than anybody. If you're an experienced agent, I would recommend you go to 10loansamonth.com. We've got some amazing coaches that can help you scale up your business. And that's the number 10loansamonth.com. Thanks again for being a listener. And thanks, Chris and Tom, for chatting with me. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.